Welcome to Authentic Health Fridays on The Jason Wright Show. This segment empowers you to reclaim control over your well-being and live a life aligned with your body's natural design. I am thrilled to guide you through insightful conversations and practical advice, all geared towards helping you achieve the vibrant and balanced life you deserve. In this dynamic series, we have the privilege of tapping into the expertise of a true visionary in the field of health and wellness, Dr. Gus Vickery, the founder of Authentic Health, located in the scenic heart of Asheville, North Carolina, is more than just a renowned author and speaker. He's a beacon of wisdom in the world of precision medicine and integrated health. Each episode, Dr. Vickery will be your trusted companion on a journey to unlock the secrets of authentic health. Drawing from his extensive knowledge and expertise, he'll share invaluable tools, tips, and information to guide you in understanding your body's unique needs and embracing the principles of precision medicine. Dr. Gus, we're back for another episode of Authentic Health Fridays. And apparently, I know I said this before, but apparently we're doing something right because the the downloads and the feedback that I'm getting on these, and it's funny because you and I, a lot of times I know that we think we go too in the weeds and a little bit because we really want to keep this stuff at a very digestible level. But brother, so far the feedback is keep it coming. So I guess we're onto something here. Oh, that's awesome. And it's wonderful to get that feedback because both of us, what we want is for people just to be empowered yep. and not confused and to have uh, foundational, factual information presented in a way that they can digest it. Aha, no pun intended from our gut thing. Right. And that they can put it to use for themselves. And if that's the feedback, then that's great. But the feedback is awesome because we'll accept any constructive criticism. That's right. How we do this better. This is completely for the listeners to regain self-sufficiency over their human systems. Well, and I want to go ahead and I know, I'm, I don't know when I'll stop saying this, maybe one day when we kind of get through, if, if that ever happens, this kind of just foundational building block way that we're taking this, but to the listener out there, understand something. The best you can do, and first of all, thank you so much for showing up for this episode. God bless you. We're so grateful that you're here. However, if you want to extract the most from this episode, go back. Go back to the very first introduction to Authentic Health that we put out and then go by, go just start listening to these in order because the way Dr. Gus is doing this is it is truly in a sequential order, starting with the foundation, which is gut health, and then the toxicants, and then the, uh, the micronutrients, and then we're going to go into uh, and then we went into the glutathione and the, the antioxidants, uh, nitric oxide, which was last week. And then now we're going to get into proteins, amino acids. All of this is structured so that you're you're getting a master class on body composition and optimization and in true cellular health. This is uh, think of this as though you you had an old car that you're wanting to restore and you bring it in. Where do you start? Now, I can't answer that question, Gus. I have no clue because I have about as much mechanical ability as I have uh, medical ability. But nevertheless, there's somewhere you would start to build, like a build a race car. I just watched a Days of Thunder for the first time in a long, long time the other day, and Harry's about to build a uh, Cole Trickle's race car. There's somewhere that Harry knew to start to get that car ready to hit the track at the most optimal pace possible. And that's the way 
Gus has designed these podcasts that we're bringing you. So the, the it's not like we just decide, oh, why don't we just share amino acids and proteins? That'll be fun that people will be interested in that. That's not the way this podcast or at least this segment works. This is very intentional with how these episodes are structured. So go back, check them out and work your way back up to this one. Stay here, listen to this one, but then come back and then make it all fit together. How was that, Gus? Did, does that make sense? Did I say that right? It was excellent. And I completely agree. Of course I would. <laughs> you, you designed this, so hopefully. <laughs> but I mean, what the listeners are experiencing is exactly how I am evaluating a human system that comes mm -hmm. to see me. And what is the order, you know, the order of priorities? And what am I trying to do to help that person, you know, restore function and then optimize function? So what we're working through is exactly that my process. Now, again, caveat, it's not individual medical advice. Uh, that because you're listening, you know, we don't have a doctor-patient relationship. So I'm not telling you to do what I'm teaching you here specifically without seeking your own medical consultant. But ultimately, what you're hearing is exactly what I would be doing for patients or what I do for patients in our clinic who come in as I begin to evaluate them and help them uh, resolve health issues and move in the direction of their health goals. So now that we're going to be talking about protein in particular, this is one that's become an interesting topic. As a matter of fact, it's funny because, so I just had um, Dr. Carl Diorgiano on the podcast, who is actually a um, orthopedic surgeon. He, he, he does spines, but he's also gotten, gotten real into integrated health and precision medicine. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about longevity. And he is of the opinion that what the, um, the, the, the prescribed 0.8 grams uh, or one for one ratio of grams of protein per pound for per body weight is what we should do. Then you've got Peter Tia saying that anybody that comes to see him, he's up in it to two, ideally, but definitely over one. And so there's just, and there's some people that just dig in their heels on this, how important protein is versus how much it's not. I know that and for the listener, and again, you are the medical expert. I think you will um, echo this, but one of the things as I get older in particular, I am much more cognizant of the of getting the adequate amount of protein in my body. It's no longer just kind of a bro science deal where I'm like trying to get jacked. So I'm going to go do it, you know, drink a bunch of protein shakes and eat three steaks a day just so I can get yoked. Instead, it's so that I can stay healthy and have the, the muscle mass that will add to the, that lean body tissue and, and bone density that I need to basically protect my health as I get older. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I'm really excited to get into today. So Doc, where do we start this conversation about protein intake? Yeah, and, and and as you know, and you would, of course, include, it's not just about the lean mass and the bone. It's about brain mass, about yep. cardiac function. It's about gut function. It's about detoxification. It's about hormones. As we've, I think, said before in the micronutrient panel, um, your body is made of a lot of things. And so this is a little reductionistic, but it's primarily made out of enzymes and proteins. Enzymes are really proteins, and they do the particular things. Enzymes and proteins are made out of amino acids. Amino acids all come from protein. So the structure and function of your human system is absolutely dependent upon having enough protein uh, to maybe maintained. In absence of enough protein, you must reduce structure and function. And the body will begin to do that. And what it does is it will, you know, try to be smart about how it reduces structure and function. 
depending on the different inputs to your system, it might be that it starts reducing bone mass, connective tissue mass, some organ mass, and muscle mass. It will also potentially reduce digestive function, detox function, uh, potentially hormone synthesis. So across the board, there are all these little adjustments the body is making. Many of those are what we associate with aging, this gradual loss of structure and function, which will happen with aging no matter how much protein we eat. But it appears to happen a lot faster at an accelerated rate in the absence of sufficient protein. Now, there's a lot of competing agendas regarding this question of how much protein should we eat. And most of those agendas don't have much to do with you as an individual thinking about your individual health and the health of your family. And so you really have to clear that noise and, really, and focus on you. And that's the wonderful thing about the work that I do. I get to measure. I, I work with individuals. We have data sets. We, we create interventions and we monitor over time. And uh, what I'm going to share with you is based on the latest scientific research that we have on protein, its role in human systems, how much should we get, what are the best forms of it, et cetera, et cetera. But also what I see that works in real human systems in my clinic, not just what's been produced in studies, which are great to inform us. But at the end of the day, when you're at any given moment monitoring you know, hundreds of people, and you're creating these interventions and you're seeing these commonalities in the data, different age ranges, and then you're seeing the responses, it's really helpful to know you're probably on the right track. And again, for you as an individual, that's at the end of the day what you always need to know. Uh, if you're assessing objective data, whatever that might be, blood studies or the deeper studies we've been presenting, or your heart rate variability and your sleep metrics and your fasting, whatever it is you're tracking, is it getting better with what you're doing? But that's really helpful to get those objective measurements. Subjectively, are you getting better? Do you have more energy? Does your brain work better for you? Do you sleep more deeply? Are you able to engage in more consistent physical activity? Do you recover well from it? How's your mood? How's your hunger? And if all of that's getting better and your objective data is stable and getting better, then what you're doing is right for you. So if you're, you know, end up following some of the advice we dispense around how much protein to take, and all that's happening for you. And then you see some article in some mainstream publication saying that too much protein is causing cancer. You need to stop and recognize that, one, we're a long ways from that study to you as an individual. Two, if your body is healthier and functioning better, your risk of cancer is gone. Not so try to, you know, really just get the, you know, the that noise from all the competing agendas, whether it's climate agenda, population health agenda, agricultural agenda, policymakers, food companies, you just got to get that out and look at this from a perspective of what's going to work for you. What's going to work for you is probably what works for all homo sapiens over time. And that's what we're presenting to you. And it makes perfect sense when you think it through. So we move to protein next because of how critical it is. We briefly covered it in the micronutrient panel where we actually looked at intracellular and extracellular levels of amino acids. But uh, now we want to really dwell there for a bit, because if you don't get this right, just like nitric oxide, glutathione, and everything else we've discussed, your body's going to have a hard time repairing itself and staying healthy. So this one's critical. And the benefits, if you're not getting it right at this time, of fixing it are almost immediately detectable. My patients consistently, when we get them to their protein target, however we do it, consistently report within two to three weeks, many areas where they just feel a lot better. So 
you'll get to decide. So you tell me, Jason, where should we go next with the discussion? So I think one of the things that I'm just going to give you several things that if I'm a listener out there and before I you know, took this on to the level that I have, the questions I had were protein sources for sure. It, you know, and, and especially right now where you have, again, competing dogmas of animal protein versus plant protein. We mentioned it in, I know just kind of briefly, it was kind of just almost like a, a little, a quick little, whenever you're having to deal with your vegan clients, how you have to manage them a little bit to accommodate that mm-hmm. lifestyle, that eating style in which you absolutely address. It's not like you tell vegans, sorry, I can't help you go see somebody else. No, there's, there's some tactics there. And then you've mentioned it in my intake that you've helped me with this, with where the amino acids can bridge the gap between your proper protein intake and the deficiency that you may find yourself in for someone like me. So I think maybe we just start with the sources of protein and maybe their order of operation, maybe their their order of priority. Like if you if if I'm just coming in and saying, okay, Gus, you're telling me I need a gram of protein per pound of body weight. What's the best source for me to start getting that into my diet? Maybe maybe there? Yeah, that sounds great. So we'll start by just in case saying, what is protein? Well, protein obviously is, uh, we're going to talk about the food sources. And then what the food sources have are different distributions and ratios of amino acids, which you're trying to get. Now it is important. Now this conversation is not about comprehensive nutrients. It's about amino acids and protein. So we're not going to spend a lot of time, but do remember that any food source of protein is not just the protein. There are other nutrients we get in these foods. So if you're eating an, an, a source of animal protein, such as seafood, you're going to be getting omega-3 fatty acids and possibly some other nutrients that could be rich in that particular seafood, depending on what it is. If you're eating ruminant animal protein, like beef or bison or elk or venison or game, you're getting, in addition to the amino acids, a lot of nutrient density that is really important for your body. Same thing with plants. If you're getting plant-based protein, you'll get oftentimes more fiber and you're going to get specific nutrients. So we don't want to think of it as only amino acids. It's important to recognize that protein-based foods contain nutrients that are important and amino acids. And there are certain nutrients that we primarily would only get through, uh, can you hear that, Jason? Sorry. Col- it's cold trickle racing by. You know, I was just talking about Days of Thunder. So Harry just got his car. He's out there. Wow. Well, you are in North Carolina. You're in, yeah, you're in the South. <laughs> we usually have this. I'm on my back porch at the end of the day here, just so I could enjoy some natural light, natural air, following our principles as I do this. And there's the Blue Ridge Parkway about 300 yards behind the house I'm in right now. And every so often, someone is showing off their exhausts. Or lack thereof as they ride down the road. But uh, it doesn't happen. It's not, it's, it makes for some nice ambiance. I'm sure the audience doesn't mind. It's perfect. Yeah, it sounds like they want to come back by again. Anyway, so, uh, but let's get back to that. So, you know, there are just certain, like, there, and again, I'm not here to convince committed vegans that they have to become omnivores. Uh, but I'm going to tell you that you have to be wise about this. If you're not consuming animal-based proteins uh, from diverse sources, you are going to need to supplement particular nutrients that you're not going to get in sufficient levels. But in the meantime, let's get back to protein. So 
we eat protein from various foods. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of different levels of protein in different foods. Even low protein foods have small amounts of protein. Depending on what it is, it's going to have specific, um, you know, amino acid profiles. So it might have more of these amino acids and less of these. The goal with protein, so protein can go a couple of different ways in your human systems. Some of it, you're just not going to completely digest because we already reviewed issues with digestive function. And for most people, they're going to build, they're going to deal with reduced digestive function, especially with age, reduced enzyme production, reduced gastric function. If you're on acid suppressors, you're going to reduce stomach digestive function. And many people are eating too fast and not really chewing up food thoroughly. So the end result of that is that some of the protein you're eating is just never even getting broken down into absorbable amino acids. So that's going to affect the amount of protein you get from that food. Uh, then, you know, you absorb these amino acids. Now, the goal with the protein as much as possible is for us to translate as much of that food-based protein into what we call utilizable amino acids in the body. Utilizable, what I'm primarily referencing, is protein synthesis, the process of building up proteins and enzymes that maintain structure and function. So these amino acids come in through the gut, they go into the bloodstream, they get distributed to cells. Cells recognize them, take them up, and if they have what they need, which I'm about to talk about, they'll turn on all the machinery to start engineering protein, which is like a factory. You have the, all these different cellular components and other micronutrients and things that come go to work basically to put the amino acids together and build the proteins that the body is set, uh, genetically expressing that we need at this time. Whatever it might be, it might be proteins that are involved in cell signaling, hormones, detox, uh, structural proteins, whatever the body needs, depending on the tissue, the genetics will be determining, hey, this is what, what, what is our priority. So we maintain some reserve of protein. Some of it's just in the form of our actual structure, but would rather not break down our structure to get protein. We maintain a circulating pool of amino acids we can pull from. And as we recycle damaged proteins in the body, the amino acids that are still in good shape, we can recycle those. So we have these windows of time where our body isn't going to go into what we call a catabolic state and start tearing itself apart just because we didn't get enough protein. When we get into the practical side of this conversation and talk about how do you uh, address this, we'll talk about how you can you know, dose protein over time and you know when when you can take breaks and things like that and be just fine. So the amino acid of the profile has a lot to do with that utilization rate. If the utilization rate is not great, then a larger percent of that protein is not becoming amino acids or building proteins and enzymes. It's actually getting converted probably into calories, glucose, which is why protein has a calorie value. Because you can take the protein, the amino acids, you can convert those uh, into glucose through something called gluconeogenesis. You can even then take the extra glucose if you have plenty and convert that to fat if your body is in a storage mode. So it's going to convert it into usable energy and it's going to detox the nitrogen from the amino acids. And there are ways of doing experiments to study nitrogen input, nitrogen output, and determine how much of that protein is actually going to work to build up your body. What we'd like is to maximize that efficiency, especially if you're interested in maintaining a ideal body composition. So you're trying to stay leaner. You'd like your protein sources to be less calories and more building blocks to maintain structure and function. So 
Um, there's a large, large list of the amount of protein in different foods. The most highly utilizable food-based proteins for humans are eggs, always eggs, which also have many other nutrients, followed by you know, mammalian protein, so uh, ruminant animals, which, already, which are the preferred source, as well as chicken, pork, and seafood. Now, if you can get pasture-raised, humanely treated, hormonally treated, you know, pork and chicken products, then that can be a good source of protein. But otherwise, the fatty acid balance is not great and the toxicant load can be quite high. Uh, it's a little easier to find pasture-raised, non-toxic, uh, ruminant animal meat beef and bison, or if you're a hunter, possibly your own game, depending where those animals graze. And so then you can move into utilization rates way down to soy, which is a little better than some plants, but it's lower than what I just named. And then you get into plant-based proteins and dairy, which are even lower. Whey protein, which is a good way to get plenty of amino acids, based on the studies, is only about 18% utilizable, which is why whey protein has a lot of calories. If you're bulking and trying to add calories, then that can be a good thing and you can just use more whey. So the uh, type of protein is going to determine how much usable building block do we actually get and put to work for us. What's happening is your cells have sensors for protein and, there's, and they're sensing for three of what we call the essential amino acids. And this might be more detailed than people want, but it is interesting to think about it from how the system was designed. A human system will always be designed to conserve energy, but to optimize response to stimulus. So food's a stimulus. It's going to create responses. Building, lighting up the protein manufacturing factory and bringing the workers in and creating protein is an expensive process. You don't want to do it if you don't have what you need. The, the amino acids are subdivided into essential amino acids. There are eight essential. Now, there's a debate around two others we're going to talk about later briefly and give my take on that debate. But for now, I believe there are eight primary essential amino acids. These are the ones that your body cannot manufacture. You have to get in your diet. And your body can make the other 12 amino acids from these eight. It actually can bioconvert them. So these are like the root source for everything else. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get the other 12 through forms of protein. I advise eating some protein. So the sensor for protein synthesis is based on three of those essential amino acids, methionine, leucine, and lysine. We won't get into the details of those three, but essentially the body developed a way when, you're, when we were eating of detecting meal quality for protein and saying, do we have what we need to build? And remember, there were no supplements when this system was being designed. So you couldn't just take leucine, uh, methionine, and lysine supplements, which you could do now, potentially fool the sensor, have everything get kicked into gear, and then have the whole thing go fall apart because you don't have the other amino acids that you need. Because every protein is going to have uh, some variety of those eight essentials. And if you don't have them and you can't manufacture them, you're not going to turn on this expensive protein synthesis process. So the quality of a protein in terms of utilization is critical to this discussion. And, and then the differentiation between the essential amino acids and non-essential 
is critical to this discussion because that at the end of the day is going to determine what does protein actually do in your body? Do you build and maintain with it or do you actually convert it into calories, store fat and just go through nitrogen detox with it? So the hierarchy, again, being neutral about agnostic about whether you're vegetarian or not. If you're vegetarian, then obviously you're going to go with soy and grains and legumes and things of that sort. But assuming that most people are omnivores, uh, then the hierarchy for your actual protein needs when it comes to food, if you're not allergic and don't have sensitivities, would be food, I'm sorry, beef, I'm sorry, eggs, <laughs> then ruminant animals, beef, bison, elk, venison, and then in limited portion, seafood, pork, and um, uh, chicken. You would want to get most of your protein from those sources. The plants count for a little bit, but not much uh, at that point. That's what's going to help you have those higher utilization rates. Now, we also have supplemental forms of protein. And as far as food-based supplemental protein, there can be you know, whey or casein, different forms. And if you tolerate that well, that can be a way of getting more protein into your body. And if you don't tolerate that well, then there are plant-based proteins, hemp, pea, rice, typically for it to be complete in terms of the amino acid profile based on the studies, a blend of well-designed pea and rice in proper ratios is what you would want to use. And that can give you a pretty good uh, utilization rate when you do it that way. But it all still has to pass through digestion. And if you're going to lose some there, and then you're going to end up losing some in the whole amino acid profile, then at the end of the day, this a number we give you for how much protein you need to consume becomes critical because what we're giving you is a number, like the higher number that is being pushed out by Peter Atia and your last guest and by me is taking into account all of these inefficiencies in the system. It's taking all that into account. Um, and the other numbers that are originally been pushed out at, you know, say 0.8 milligram per kilogram of body weight are not taking all these variables into account, which are all based on more recent studies, a newer understanding of the human system. And so I, I feel like we have gold standard randomized controlled trials proving this point. Almost every researcher in the longevity space, every physician who's out here Focusing on body composition optimization and optimized health and mitochondrial function and longevity, we all are singing the same tune. Every single one of us is seeing the value based on our interpretation of the literature, not articles and magazines, of the actual scientific literature. And then we're all seeing it in either our research labs or our human labs where we're treating patients. So that's critical. To make it easy in terms of what's that number to hit, there are a lot of different um, calculators you can use depending on your training volume. Do you want to build muscle? What's your gender? What's your size? And the if you go to a resource called examine.com, which is a great resource, they have a free protein calculator. Oh, or wow. you plug those variables. Oh, I'm sorry, Jason, were you saying something? No, I was going to say, wow, I didn't know that was out there. That's, that's Yeah, right. and you can plug more variables in. Are you trying to recomp? Are you bulking? Are you leaning? How old are you? What's your gender? You know, what's your current size? Calculate your ideal body weight. And it will give you a calculation uh, based on the higher protein need because that's where they favor as well. And they're a complete database group of research geeks. But if you want to keep it simple, one gram per pound of ideal body weight per day as a minimum. Okay. One gram, one gram of protein 
per pound of ideal body weight per day, most days of the week. There are going to be days you don't hit the target, you'll be okay. What, and so what's an ideal body weight? That's the weight you should. Hmm. So if you're needing to lose 80 pounds and you're currently 250 pounds, you don't need 250 pounds of protein because you're not needing all that protein to maintain the 80 pounds of fat. You'd probably target 170 to 180 grams a day, which would be closer to your ideal body weight. There are special cases where when you're trying to lose that much weight and you're really challenged by hunger, we may have you eat more because eating protein can satiate you. It can keep you full and turn off hunger signals. So we might actually have you eat more just so that we can use a lower calorie food source that keeps you from getting too hungry if you're trying to lose weight and struggling with your eating behavior. But at a minimum, you would use that equation. And then you'd have to look at these different sources and add them up. But you can't really count a bowl of plants that might say that they have 15 grams of protein total as 15 grams of protein. It's not going to give you 15 grams of equivalent protein, maybe seven, maybe five, but I wouldn't count on it being 15 grams. You can count on a egg and beef and animal protein sources to, you know, to, to equivalent to those grams, knowing that our benchmark of a gram per pound per day has taken into account the inefficiencies of the system and the utilization rates. Okay, I have a question about this. As you as we get older, because I know it's so much harder to build muscle mass as you as you age, with regard to how our body is able to metabolize protein, do we lose some of the efficiency as we age? So therefore, and does that mean that because I know that you go to any nursing home, senior living facility, they're going to be stocked up on insure, which is basically just, you know, liquid protein, right? They all have it. They're all given to the patient. It's really terrible, terrible stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, that's, that's the idea. It's got to have probably a lot of sugar. And, many, and, and just look at the study. How many people are actually getting stronger and walking out of that nursing facility? Exactly. Exactly. So is it as simple as when you're, you know, how do you accommodate for that whenever you get into those older years to, you need more protein than ever, but I got to believe too that your body doesn't process and metabolize the pro the protein as well. Yep. Is a way to prepare for those later years to maintain as much muscle mass as possible, you know, kind of preparing yourself now when you're younger to be go at least go into that old age with lots of lean body mass that can help you better absorb that protein. Is, is that a good strategy? Yes. Protein okay. is your longevity tissue. It's a okay. I agree with Gabrielle Lyon. She's got a whole platform around muscle-centric uh, weight loss. She's, uh, I think, an excellent um, clinician. She works up in New York. She works with a lot of Navy SEALs. And this is her whole platform. Now, it's not. She's getting into more diverse topics. But protein, protein, protein. And that is the main thing that you can do. If you, if you are focused on longevity, the main thing you can do is optimize lean mass, your reserve of your lean mass now. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean become a bodybuilder right. and add 40 pounds of muscle to your body. It's talking about for the average individual, what are your genetic potentials and trying to get to that point. Now, some people might decide they want to build a lot more muscle than, and they can. You know, we have pretty great capacities to add muscle if you train really hard and eat properly and you have adequate levels of anabolic hormones. But most of the people I'm working with, that's not their endpoint. And honestly, you add a lot of muscle mass, you can get to the point where it's harder to maintain that as you age. So 
The idea is to maximize, according to your genetic potential, how much lean mass you're carrying, especially muscle mass. And if you do that, that is going to protect you as you age, not just from the standpoint of your protein requirement, but your glucose utilization, your lower risk of diabetes, improved metabolic function, improved cognitive health, because physical training debates a large portion of your brain cortex. I mean, the list goes on and on of what it'll do for you. And that's why, again, these discussions, and we'll have it at some point, mTOR, Camp K, Feast, Famine, and the role that plays in longevity. And there's some legitimate ideas there, but 99% of people I work with intake, that's a conversation we need to have in two or three years. Right now, we've got to get a healthy human system. That's our longevity focus. And so I'm going to just leverage to let's get the protein we need and let's get the body trained into an optimal state of lean mass availability. Okay. So now let's say, and I know we're going to repeat a conversation that you've had with me and you've even mentioned on this podcast. So I could, and I have at times, and I, as a matter, and I just swole up and just looked like a meathead. I could eat three steaks a day, but I'm not going to anymore. I'm just not going to do that. Um, and so what I do is I find myself often in a protein deficit based on my, my personal needs. So how do we start to close that gap when we're not getting enough protein through, through either animal or plant protein sources? What do we do if we're just eating it? And, and this is what I, I guarantee you, your patients tell you this all the time, which is a good problem to have. You know, it's like, Gus, I just can't eat anymore. I'm just, I'm stuffed. I just don't want to eat. That's the case. We've told these, we've, we've shocked the audience into, oh my gosh, I've got to have my protein. I don't want to be drinking that nasty insure in my old age and be frail, but yet I just can't eat all that protein. What do you do? That's a great question. And remembering when we reflect back to what human beings were like pre-industrialization and pre-food abundance, um, we didn't eat that volume of food. So right now what we're talking about is what most people need to do immediately and in the short term. What will happen over time and what Jason is experiencing because of all the investments he's made in his human system is he has excellent mitochondrial efficiency. His energy factories in his cells work really well and work very efficiently. He has a wonderful reserve of lean mass activated muscle that's been imprinted into his epigenetic expression and nervous system that he developed as a young man playing football and training. And he has good genetics for that as well. And so Jason is in a position where, yeah, he still needs to make sure he's hitting a protein target, uh, you know, with some consistency, but he's in a position where his body works in such a way that he doesn't have to eat the same volume. His body uses and conserves nutrients and resources far better than the average person. Um, now, we don't want Jason to get too big of a head uh, here. So once we get all of this data, maybe we'll be able to bring him back down to earth with some of the findings. Uh, they have there. But I suspect a lot of them are going to look really good because he applies a lot of the things that we're sharing together with you. But for the average individual right now, what we have to focus on is fixing the system and getting the cells built up and getting the membranes restored and getting the mitochondria working and improving detoxification and getting the gut repaired and, you know, a lot of things. So we've got to leverage towards that. Let's get everything into the body it needs. And in order to do that, you're unlikely to be able to eat that much just truth. Not only that, if you did eat that much food, your digestive function isn't going to be able to process that into usable nutrients. Anyway, 
unless you've got a really healthy gut, which as you know from our gut episode at Baseline, if you haven't been paying that much attention to it, you probably don't. No offense, I didn't either the first time I looked. So that's just the way it is. So food is not really our solution. It was in an ancestral time before our guts were messed up and we had all these toxicants and hormonal disruptors and inefficiencies. You know, then food was the answer. Find it, eat it, hope to find more. Now food isn't the answer. Not only is it potentially a source of toxicants, which could further impair digestive function and overall body health, um, it's not a great source of nutrients. Now, the pure sources that we keep emphasizing, organic, non-GMO, pasture-raised, blah, 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 all that will be far better for you. It still doesn't have the nutrient density it once did because it changes in our ecosystem. So we use resources to close the gap. I'm going to teach you exactly what I do with a patient in my clinic, right? We sit down. We have all our data. It's clear the person needs a lot of help to get things back online. Even the healthy people need a lot of help to get things back where they need to go. They just get there faster. So we then, I've worked through all the stuff we've been talking about in the past podcast, and now I'm like, okay, let's talk about your protein intake. Here is the usual conversation for an omnivore, not for a vegetarian. Okay, I, I have a shake where I eat a couple of eggs in the morning. Sometimes they eat a bowl of cereal, which I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And then we add that up and they're, you know, getting anywhere from 12 to maybe 20 grams, maybe 25 if they have a shake of protein. And then they make it through and they might eat a snack. A lot of these people are busy and many of them are like high performer types. So they're not eating a ton or they're intermittent fasting. Um, which can become problematic if you don't optimize nutrient availability and your fasting. You don't want to do both at the same, be nutrient deficient and fasting at the same time. So then they'll, you know, we'll look at what they do throughout the day and maybe they're getting another 10 or 15 grams. If they do eat lunch, maybe they get another 20 grams. Okay. So now we're up to 40 or 45. And then at dinner, they eat a chicken breast or maybe a, a beef patty or whatever they have. We got another 25 or 30 grams. This is like par for the course with men, women, it's usually a little bit lower. And essentially, we're like, okay, you're getting 75 grams of protein a day. Ideal body weight, say 170 pounds. They need to build muscle. They need to lose weight. We need 170 grams. And we've measured low amino acids and low glutathione and low, like all the stuff we know that's saying you need more protein as well. All right. <laughs> they're sitting there and they're like, oh my gosh, well, I'm going to have to eat more protein. Then we start talking about well, an egg is six or seven grams. Uh, you know, a steak might be 30 to 40, depending on the size. A chicken breast might be 25 to 30. A piece of fish, 20 to 25. A bowl of legumes, maybe 15. They're like, well, how am I going to do that? How am I possibly going to eat 100 more grams? I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm like, well, good news. We're we don't have to eat it all. You can, if you want, and you can go after it and just eat a lot of food. It's going to make it harder to lose weight because you're going to have to eat a lot of food to get the protein you need. That means you're going to get a lot of extra calories which we're going to have to account for in your overall equation if you're trying to lose body fat while you do this. If you're not trying to lose body fat, maybe it's fine. But ultimately, we reach for my favorite all-time supplement, nutritional support supplement. It's, I tell patients, this is a true statement. I have access to a lot of stuff. I've used a lot of stuff. If I got sent to a desert island, maybe I said this last podcast, forgive me if I repeated myself. And I could only have one supplement for the rest of my time. And I'm going to have to live on a desert island, deserted island. And, but I can have as much of it as I need. It's this supplement. It is the essential amino acid supplement, right? So it's the eight essential amino acids in either a powdered form or a tablet form, whatever your preference, 
used as a kind of like precise targeted intervention to close the protein gap in a way that works with virtually no calories. It's a beautiful, beautiful solution. It takes the pressure off the digestive system because regardless of your digestive issues, unless your entire digestive system has been cut out, no matter what's going on, these are almost always 100% absorbed. So we just bypassed or we got to break it down. We don't have enough enzymes. We don't have gastric function. How are we going to get it in? It's getting in. The studies have proven that with the right ratios of the essentials, you are going to get blood levels of what you need for anywhere from two to three hours after you ingest these, which means you're going to provide to your cells the signal needed to turn on protein synthesis and maintain function. You can keep your body in that state of, hey, we got what we need. So what we did end up doing is I don't want, you know, some argue you could just live on these. I disagree because I have human data. And when I look at other amino acids, sometimes they need more cysteine, sometimes, which is considered um, a conditional essential amino acid. So some of them are conditional essential, meaning you probably need to get some. Um, your body might have a hard time keeping up with demand because of the utilization of the body. Cysteine, we talked a lot about last week. It's needed for a lot of things and for glutathione production. So you're going to go through a lot of cysteine. So it's good to still get some extra cysteine, some extra glutamine, some extra glycine, some of these non-essential but very important amino acids. Well, we're going to get that in our complete protein that we're eating. We're going to get the profile of those. So now our only goal is to fill the gap in with just the essentials, which will keep the whole system working. And there are a lot of great scientific studies in humans regarding building muscle, losing weight, preserving muscle, osteoporosis, gut function, autoimmunity, showing these work. These are a great solution. You know, the caution for one particular set of individuals are individuals that have kidney disease, chronic kidney disease, and they have to be, they, they need to be on a low protein diet because protein, once you use protein for calories, you take the nitrogen, you got to clear the nitrogen. It's a waste product, it becomes a toxicant. So we create something called urea, which we spill out through our kidneys and that can put kidney stress. So people with Chronic kidney disease have to go on these lower protein diets, but guess what? That's going to further impair the maintenance of kidney function, but it's the lesser of the two potential, uh, you know, harms to the kidneys. With these, you take away the nitrogen detox issue. So now you can maintain what you need to preserve kidney function and still be on that lower protein diet. So the example of the patient was somebody who's getting their 70 grams, so they need a hundred more. So what are we going to do? They can, if they'd like, try to get you know, another 25 or 30 through food if they don't want to take as many of the amino acids. Otherwise, they're going to need four portions of the aminos because each five tablet portion is bioequivalent depending on what food you compare it to anywhere from 15 to 30 grams. I just call it 20 to 25 grams as a fail safe. I think that works pretty well and the outcomes I see that works well. So a person who needs 100 extra grams, I'm usually going to have at least four portions of aminos. They can use more because they won't hurt themselves with them but they might end up not, you know, just wasting some money they, if, if they don't end up utilizing them all. But they can use more, but I wouldn't use less. And so how do you do that? Well, if you would either take five tablets of the tablet formulation or a scoop of the powder formulation. Uh, most of my patients prefer the tablets. They're coated and easy to swallow, but if you have swallowing issues, you would use the powder. The powder has a bit of a bitter taste. That's because amino acids have a bitter taste to them. They do mix them with, you know, some natural sweeteners to try and get, you know, flavor of mixed berry or strawberry. 
and it makes it a little more palatable, but it's nobody's favorite thing to do. But if you just take a scoop and just pour it in a smaller amount of water, stir it and just slug it down real quick and then chase it with something, you'll usually do just fine. You have uh, something to add to that, uh, Jason? I'm going to tell you, the way I got around the powder, because you're right, even if it's flavored, it tastes pretty awful. Now, I, I take capsules most of the time now, and there's two things, two points I want to make since you've got me adding uh, uh, essential amino acids to my, just my normal dietary protocol. One, I am rarely ever hungry. I mean, I just, you know, I do intermittent fasting and all that. So I, it, that just, and like when Jim and I just got back from New York and, and we do, we, we kind of go off the rails on our eating because we have our stops we go to every time we're in town in the city and I'd eat differently than I normally would, but I took my amino acids with me. And so I'm just never hungry. It's very rare for me to say I am hungry. So there's that point one, once you get your system optimized and then you can just do this, it, that really helps. But secondly, a really cool uh, little dessert hack, if you will, is I stole this from Ben Greenfield. I order the Keon, like wild berry flavored essential aminos, and I will put that in some just straight, just plain gelatin, you know, to get the glycine and get the, that's really, really good for some collagen and just make a jello, make a natural. Now it doesn't look, it doesn't look that good, folks. It's clear. It's just a clear jello. So what I'll do is I'll put some uh, blueberries and blackberries and strawberries in there with it and then let that all gel up. And man, it's just a protein packed dessert. It's, it's just nothing but just plain organic gel gelatin and then a couple of scoops of essential amino acids and then some berries. And I got to tell you, that's pretty darn good. And that that's a kind of like what I'll use as a dessert substitute. So that, that's one way to get it. You should put that recipe in your show notes. So that I, that, I'll, I will do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, any way that people can get them down. I mean, most people <clears throat> are just going to throw down pack tablets. Um, yep. If you're going to train, taking up to 10 tablets can be quite useful. That's what I do prior to intensive exercise or after intensive exercise. Um, you know, um, so that's how we do it. We identify. We, and so you get, a, you know, if you need to, you get a food tracker, chronometer, my fitness pal. You plug in what's your typical protein intake. You figure it out. Okay, I'm getting 70 grams or 80 grams. What's the quality of the protein? And maybe you have to reduce that a little if it's not, you know, the most utilizable stuff. Then you're going to say, okay, what's my ideal body weight? Whatever, 120 pounds, 150, 200. All right, I need to match that number in grams of protein. What's my gap? Okay, I can either close it with more food or I can just close it with amino the essential amino acids. It will work. In fact, it probably works better to just do it with essential amino acids. It's less digestive stress, it's less detox stress, and they're just precision. Like they just go in and do the job. And to Jason's point, my patients, once they begin to fix this, there's very few things that I can start individuals on that within one to two weeks, they can already tell a difference. Usually the process of getting the body to adapt and improve functions, that takes time. The amino acids, typically people report back to me within two weeks to three weeks that they're sleeping more deeply, they're recovering from exercise better, they're far less hungry. Cravings in the middle of the afternoon go away. They just end up uh, in a much more controlled state when it comes to if they're gonna eat or not eat. And the reason for that is that protein insufficiency drives eating behavior, as we discussed at length in the body composition uh, podcast that we did. Your nervous system is searching for essential amino acids 
to so that it can say, yeah, we've got what we need to maintain structure and function. And if it's not sensing you're getting enough of them consistently, it's going to drive you to eat. And the only thing it knows to do is drive you to eat food. And a lot of the foods that you're going to eat aren't going to actually create the, the nutrient response that your nervous system is seeking so you stay hungry. So I love the solution. It makes life a lot easier. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, one of the things I just want to tell this audience, and by the way, another time that uh, amino acids are mentioned at length is in whenever we had our conversation about semaglutide. If you are not getting, if you are taking semaglutide and you're therefore, you're basically your appetite is just being completely squashed, it's gone. You still need these nutrients. And, you know, like Gus said, if he's on a desert island, he's going to have his amino acids, his essential amino acids in the semaglutide playbook. We He, he has a, a supplement stack there. This is one of the cornerstones to that stack, as well as the body composition playbook. These are in the show notes, but I highly encourage you if you want to learn more, like if someone listening out there, if you you came to this to, because it was about health and we're talking about protein supplementation and, and the importance of protein, but you're listening going, I just want to figure out how to lose weight. I am that 280 trying to get down to 170, 180, whatever. And they we have episodes already out there that I highly encourage you to go back to. And then all of a sudden this stuff will be like, it'll make sense. You're like, oh, so that's how I apply it to reach my other goals in addition to making sure that I have enough protein. So we've already covered it. I'm not wanting to cover that road again in this episode, but just know we've put some resources out there that I would love to point you back to, to see how all of this ties together systematically. So I just want to make sure we got that in there, Gus. Yeah, absolutely. And it works. The reason these protocols are created and that we put them out to a broader audience, it, uh, because I don't do that right away. When I'm developing a new understanding of how to approach human health, which is something that's always evolving uh, for me and with the research and observing how patients respond to the interventions. Um, I have to think about it for a while uh, in terms of, okay, this looks like this could work for this particular challenge. And then I'll have individuals who we tested on, we, we run with it, and then we see what kind of results do we consistently get? Where do we not get results? Why do we not get them? Am I wrong? And you know, my model is constantly evolving I don't think it's wrong, but there's blind spots, missing pieces. It'll get better over time. I can tell you when it comes to body composition, I've been puzzling over it for 20 years and addressing weight issues in my clinic for almost all of that time. This approach that we describe, it works. It really works if you use the principles. Um, and it works because it honors the signals your body needs to actually lose body fat sustainably while maintaining cellular health and function and, and have the nervous system uh, readapt to a new energy balance for you and get healthy. So it really works. And the amino acids are just a cornerstone of how to get it done. Most of my patients who do use the peptides that turn their appetite off, they're probably only going to consume 30, maybe 50 grams of protein a day, complete protein. I still want them to get some complete protein. I think it's better to get those conditional non-essential amino acids to some degree. But then we're just using the essentials for everything else. Um, in fact, that's what I've done for the most part because I'm just busy and I don't, like Jason, I'm not that hungry. I can't eat a lot of food. And I don't really want to stop in the middle of the day to eat a bunch of food. I'd rather focus on the things I need to get done and Honestly, if I have an hour, I'd rather go take a walk in the woods than sit and eat. So I get probably 70% of my protein requirements with amino acids. And I have now three or four years. 
And I have sequential DEXs looking at my lean mass, bone density, body fat percentages. I have sequential data looking at my hormones, immune system, and all of that. And the data has shown that my human system has is no worse uh, for, you know, for having used this approach. In fact, if anything, it's staying healthier and healthier by utilizing this approach. So I got a question for you. Somebody out there that's listening that is on a keto diet or mm -hmm. you know, they, they're all so they're they're pretty much all protein, no carbs. Will they still benefit from taking essential amino acids, or will that well, overdo it? Actually, yeah, because if they're truly ketogenic, then they're going to remain moderate protein because the egg, higher protein levels will get converted to glucose and take them out of ketosis. That's a hallmark of ketogenic diets. Okay. And one of the reasons why with Atkins, which was built as a keto diet, often turn out not to be because people, and you know, I liked what Atkins did. I think he was a brilliant man who produced a lot of wonderful resources for people and began to change how we think about things. So I have no criticism of him. He's not working with the information we have now. Uh, just like people might, I'll look back in 10 years and go, dang, can we delete these podcasts? Because I think it'll get so much better with what we understand and what we have available. Um, but nonetheless, when you're eating double cheeseburgers with triple portions of bacon, um, not only are you getting a ton of protein, you're going to get a ton of calories. So just because now you're utilizing fat as your primary source of energy doesn't mean you're going to catabolize your own fat if you're still getting excess calories. In addition, if you're consuming a lot of protein, your body, because of your carb depletion, and it likes to use carbs, it, it will convert a lot of that protein into carbs. So a keto diet is perfect for this because this isn't going to get converted to carbs. So if you're on a keto diet with only moderate protein, then you can get up to this protein target by using the amino acids. Love it. Love it. All right. Yeah. So, and they're, and they're vegetarian. So, my vegetarians all use them. And then we also might add in arginine and, and AC and glutamine or glycine just from non animal sources so that we can help them get a better amino acid profile. And we should briefly talk about the non-essential and the histidine arginine debate and how do I approach that? Yep. That's the one I wanted to cover. Make, make sure before we got away that we, we went ahead and circled back to that. Okay. So there's a real debate whether arginine or histidine, arginine and histidine count as essential and there's really 10 essentials. And, you know, there are people on both sides of the argument right now. If you just randomly Google it, what you're going to mostly see is people, articles arguing that they are in fact essential and should be part of it. The studies that have been done where you have people take just the eight essential and then you look at the amino acid profile in the blood one hour later, two hours later, have demonstrated that when you take these eight essentials, you have an increase in arginine and histidine signal. So it appears you're going to be able to get that through just these essentials. In addition, other forms of protein, since I'm not advocating anybody only use essential, these eight essentials as their sole source of protein, are going to have some arginine and have some histidine. So the other thing is that histidine itself is a precursor for histamine. And there are many individuals who actually have histamine sensitivity issues. They don't metabolize histamines quickly through specific enzymes. They might overabsorb them in their gut as well. And they end up with these challenging inflammatory issues and allergy-like symptoms, fatigue and brain fog. And oftentimes it's histamine intolerance. Our genetic profiles look for that ability to manage histamine load properly. And if you take a lot of histidine, you can increase your histamine load and that can become problematic. So, you know, if I'm not, if I don't have any data, I'm going to take the eight essentials and I'm going to eat complete protein. Um, I 
personally, I, since my uh, reports show arginine levels, every so often I see somebody who is depleted in arginine, and I will go ahead and add an arginine tablet to the eight essentials. We'll just have them buy that separate, put it with it. They won't take it every time they take the essentials. They'll just take one dose of like a thousand milligrams of arginine a day. Now, usually later, we can discontinue that. They don't need it. Once this whole system is working well, the eight essentials work well. Now, my opinion about this may change. Uh, I'm just going to tell you that I don't think we have great clarity. What I know right now is based on real human subjects that I evaluate and based on real study, you know, studies in other human beings looking at the body's response to the essentials, I feel we're sticking with just the eight essentials. I feel like that's sufficient and that prevents the potential problem with histidine to histamine. But again, with my patients, we have the data to know whether we should supplement arginine or not. Um, for now, that's where I fall on that side of the debate. It's just my opinion. It is an opinion based on actual human subjects that I follow and treat though, and some good data. And then we get into some of these uh, non-essential but conditionally essential amino acids such as cysteine. And while N-acetylcysteine isn't the same thing as taking cysteine, the reason we use the N-acetylcysteine is it really primes that glutathione pathway plus the antioxidant role of cysteine itself. But most of my patients for mitochondrial support and detox support will be on some N-acetylcysteine. If we see glutamine uh, depletion and they have gut issues, we're going to start them on glutamine for a period of time. Usually that's temporary. Then there's the collagen question. It comes up every time. So collagen protein is very important for the maintenance of the body, connective tissue, many different structures. And we don't get a lot of collagen protein in our diet any longer. Collagen has a unique amino acid profile, but it's not a complete protein in the sense that it does not uh, create the protein synthesis response that the essentials do because of those ratios of those amino acids that trigger that sensor. So collagen is not sufficient. We have some non, not human outcome studies, but mechanistic trials showing that collagen peptides, which are rich in glycine and proline and hydroxyproline and some of these other amino acids, um, that when you consume that in a high load, that you absorb them in potentially two or three amino acid chains. And as they pass through tissues that make collagen, they will activate that collagen enzyme, collagen synthase. It'll turn it on. But for it to work, it has to have the complete amino acid profile. So I don't have any clear data to support this. This is just working off of my understanding of the model we have right now. If you're not taking essentials and not getting enough protein, uh, then that's your starting place. You start there because you're going to get more collagen synthesis just by virtue of fixing that. If you then want to leverage and you don't mind spending a little more and doing a little more towards enhancing collagen production or maintenance of collagen, then you would potentially add a portion of collagen once a day along with the essentials so that you're getting the combination stimulus of that amino acid profile. And that's what I personally do. I, uh, with my one portion of my aminos a day, typically around exercise, because exercise drives blood flow, blood flow through connective tissue, which appears to play a role in that whole synthesis process. I want to load collagen protein and essential aminos into my body during that intensive exercise and have those, um, that amino acid profile push through my connective tissue to leverage towards maintenance of that connective tissue. Is it working? I don't know. I can't prove it, but that's just, if you want to know what I do at like sort of an advanced tune the body level, that's what I do. 
So those are sort of like the special topics, but it all starts with you've got to get sufficient protein through a mixture of complete protein and essential amino acids before you start playing around with, well, let me go get collagen or let me get this specific thing or that specific thing. You've got to go start at the ground level, which is what we just discussed. Well, I think, let's see how we did. I haven't even looked. Let's see, we said we're going to keep this under an hour. We're at 58 minutes, 58 seconds. We crushed it. Wow. And I think, okay, so I'm going to sum up real quick. And, and folks, this will be in the show notes, but essentially we're, we're in agreement that at a minimum, uh, one gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. If you are overweight and trying to lose, don't go towards how much weight you have right now, but to your, but actually level it to your ideal weight. And if you, and, and give me those numbers again, is it one amino acid, one essential amino acid is roughly equivalent to five grams of food protein or is so, it? No, so it, you really, you can't look at it that way. Okay. You have to take a full dose. So five it. of them will kind of give right. me about 20 grams. Yeah. Five or Got one. It. Got yeah. it. Got yeah, it. Got it. Because so. I do have patients who decide they'll just take two or three. Okay. And then it's just not, you're not going to create it. this. You've got to take the dose when it's time. That's all been scientifically validated. Got it. And so just, and I think one of the biggest takeaways, and again, folks, I know some people are going to listen to this and I'm glad we had that little discussion right there because a lot of people are going to run out and they're going to go buy essential amino acids and just start taking them. And because that sounds like a lot, take, I mean, I was that way. I did that at one time. I had the key on uh, essential aminos before I started ordering the the ones that you recommend, which are pure amino in that, in that the brand we use? Perfect amino. Perfect aminos. Um, and it's five tablets and you think to yourself, well, I don't want to take five of anything, but you need it. So take the actual dosage to get the full benefit of it. And just, I think the, uh, the biggest takeaway from this conversation is the importance of protein. If you can't get it from nat from food sources, be it animal or plant, then go and supplement with these essential amino acids. And the, it's just, it's just part of, like we said, these are all building blocks to try to get a, a as close to a fully optimized system as possible. And this is something you got to do. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning that about, uh, I get it. I get feedback all the time about these complex protocols where we're detoxing, fixing the gut, reestablishing a nutritional baseline. I, I do, I really have to take all this stuff. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't have to do anything. Right? And at the end of the day, this is all about you and your goals. But here's the bottom line. I mean, I've, I've just treated so many patients. I've looked at so many human systems. You know, you can choose which path you're going to be on. And this is where I'm going to sound like I'm giving a lecture and maybe I am. But honestly, if one thing that, if anything will frustrate me, but not make me angry, I don't judge people, but really make me think what is up is somebody who's really been challenged, who has mm -hmm. not felt good who is struggled and tried this, that, or the other, has medications that are prescribed that cause side effects, and they come to me, and we outline a plan where they can fix all that and feel better and come off medications and prevent all these diseases later in life, and they're going to complain that they have to take some capsules and tablets. I'm right. kind of like, well, why don't we uh, take a break? You go do some, go, go call Jason Wright and do some deep mindset work. <laughs> Find your why. There and come go. back when your why is powerful enough to just get used to this. Because yeah. ultimately, the like if you have swallowing issues, then yeah, we find a way to do it through elixir, elixirs, powders, and concoctions where you don't have to have real swallowing trouble. But otherwise, this is just life in our time. 
And you can either follow the status quo and you can see what's happening, possibly already to you or to people you know, or you can choose a different path. But your body will have to have some form of support. And you might as well co-create this mindset instead of struggling against what you have to do every day. Uh, you're excited because now you're on the right side of the equation. Now you're going to get the benefits. You're going to feel better. And once you get make it a new habit, swallowing some capsules every day, organizing some supplements, it's like five minutes of your day to yeah. get all that value. So I really had, I'm at a point where I almost, other than offering some sympathy, won't go too far down the road of, I don't like taking all of this. I mean, I'll have patients who will be like, can we just strip this down to three things? And I'll be like, I don't do this. Let me give you your money back and you start over with yeah. a health coach and who will find three things that might help because that's not the work I'm here to do with you. The work I'm here to do with you is transformational health work. And we've got the data to prove you need it. And I can't just give you three things and help your human system resolve all these issues. Well, you know, and one of the things that is encouragement to the folks out there on this, I, I mentioned kind of being silly, cold trickle and hit in the days of thunder. But a lot of this, okay, so let's, using the stock car analogy, all stock cars are supposed to be that. They're supposed to be stock. They're supposed to all be exactly alike. But the good, the good car builders and drivers know how to take that thing that is supposed to be all things being equal, the exact same car as all the others. They know how to tweak it and perfect it and optimize it to such a degree that they get more out of their car than all the rest. And when you start to just not cram supplements into your mouth because you heard that that's what Andrew Huberman does for his brain or Peter Atia does or fill in the blank Matthew Walker does to optimize his sleep or Dr. Rhonda Patrick what she does but you start to really understand how these things mechanic mechanistically work and it's what we're trying to do with these podcasts is give everybody just some understanding it goes back to the micronutrients if you're taking one that should be in a set of three to make the whole to make all of them work properly. And when you figure that out, then you have much more purpose in taking those capsules. And that's really mine and Gus's hope is that we can give you just enough information to understand, okay, this is what's happening when I take this supplement. So therefore, I'm willing to take it. And then when you start seeing the results, like Dr. Gus said, it just becomes fun. When you start to realize that you truly can start to push these buttons and pull these levers to optimize your health. It is, it's, and now uh, granted, we're kind of nerdy. We get it. That's why he's a doctor. I'm just nerdy for and not didn't benefit quite as much as him, but nevertheless, it's, it does become fun when you realize you can take control of these, these, uh, these, these issues of health. And, uh, and then you're more likely to go, okay, now, and that's why I, I just hope that if you have a family member out there, that they're struggling with this. You've got a uh, someone that's older in years, especially folks listening that have uh, grandmothers and parents that are getting older. I mean, if they fall and break a hip or something like that, their chances of of of, of dying are so much greater than than most of the population. How do you how do you defend against that? Make sure they've got ample lean muscle and bone tissue, and you get it by making sure that you're optimizing your protein. And if that means having to take some some essential amino acids, even if it's five of them, because you now know how the whole thing works, you can explain to them, hey, this is important. Take the amino acids. So I, I didn't mean to get on a lecture there. 
But that's yeah, just how this it. all works so for me. It is so important. And we spend so much time talking to people about this. And we will provide a, a link for the perfect amino amino acids, yeah. the ones recommending. It is an affiliate link. I want to be clear. You'll get a sizable discount by ordering through that link. And my clinic will get some financial credit for that. Honestly, it's great if you get the information from us, if you're willing to do that, because that financial support to our clinic allows us just to produce more content and help more people. It's not something that I just take home as money in the bank. It really helps to help have our authentic health clinic uh, serve more people. So please, if you want to start using these amino acids, uh, then do use our link. It will be beneficial and help us and you get to save money. All right. Well, with that, Dr. Gus, thanks for another one. And folks, thank you for listening to Authentic Health Fridays. We're going to keep bringing these episodes back to you. Again, if if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please share this far and wide. If you love, for all your loved ones, if you want to give them just a little dose of how to be healthier and get their body optimized, please share these episodes. Send us all your questions, anything in the comments uh, on YouTube, that will help. Give us a five-star rating on on iTunes and Spotify. And with that, he's Dr. Gus, I'm Jason, and we're out. See ya. The Jason Wright Show is a Texas Titan Media production. All episodes that pertain to health and wellness is intended for general information purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Jason Wright is not a medical professional and the content presented in these episodes should not be considered as medical advice. The information shared is based on research, personal experience, and the opinions of the host and his guests. It may not be applicable to your individual circumstances. Listeners and viewers of The Jason Wright Show should consult with their healthcare provider or a qualified medical professional before making any decisions or taking any actions related to their health and wellness based on the information provided in these episodes. Any reliance on the information presented in the show is done at the viewer's own risk. The Jason Wright Show does not endorse or promote any specific products, treatments, diets, or therapies. Any references to specific products or services should not be considered as endorsements unless disclaimed during the show as partner affiliates. Jason Wright and the Jason Wright Show's producers and all involved parties shall not be liable for any direct or indirect incidental consequential or punitive damages arising from the use or misuse of information provided in the Jason Wright Show episodes related to health and wellness. By watching or listening to these podcasts, you acknowledge and agree to the terms of this disclaimer. If you do not agree with these terms, please do not use the information provided in the show's health and wellness episodes. Always consult with a qualified healthcare professional for personal personalized medical advice and guidance.